this is me. And it was tough singing and then uh, coming out here. Took some coordination here. But let's uh, open up our Bibles to the uh, book of Luke. Chapter 5 in Luke. Hope you enjoyed the choir. Thank God for um, an incredible ministry of singing for the Lord. Um, Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you decided, because of your great love for us, to come down from heaven to save sinners lost and doomed for hell. And we pray to you today, Lord, that you would speak to us because you're all, your words are always encouraging words. Your words are always good words, edifying words. Your words are always words of hope. And we pray that you would give us some hope this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this is, um, we're in the book, book of Luke. And it's a, probably say this every time I'm up here, it's a wonderful passage. I haven't found a passage in scriptures that's not wonderful yet. But uh, let's read it. Starting in chapter 5 of the book of Luke, it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge... Two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore left everything, and followed him. That's a story that is an incredible story about how Jesus was happened to be at the lake. And, of course, people were gathering around him. Um, there's a couple questions I want to ask and kind of throw out there to everyone here today. You know, Jesus was preaching... That day. Why were the people you think listening? Why do you think the people were there? What were they looking for? 
Well, a couple things came to mind. They were looking for encouragement. They were looking for uplifting. They were looking for words that might bring them a little bit of peace, a little bit of comfort. They were looking for hearts that might be uplifted a little bit. They were looking for some joy maybe in their life. They were looking for maybe comfort for broken dreams, broken lives. They need a little fix. Some wanted food because they were hungry, just physical sustenance. Some wanted healing, maybe because they were uh, afflicted with some kind of ailment. So they were looking for healing. And um, some were just looking for good news in a time of bad news. And some might have been even looking for salvation. So they came and Jesus was there. And then Jesus says, well, let me go out in the boat. So he picked Simon's boat. And that's what it says. It says that he picked one of the boats. What do you mean one of the boats, Jesus? Why Simon's? It's kind of interesting when you read the the chapter before that, how you hear about how Simon did something really or Simon was was blessed probably greatly because the Lord visited Simon's mother in law's house. And as husbands here, we understand it's a beautiful thing to kind of make our wives feel good by taking care of the mother in law. Well, think about this. It says that in verse 38 of chapter 4, it says Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus for help. And he healed her. Simon's mother-in-law. So I know when Jesus came to Simon's boat, Simon said, welcome. I mean, you're the man. You helped me yesterday just with my mother-in-law. So He hadn't really dealt with Jesus that much, but you know he saw his power. And he just kind of saw a little bit of what Jesus had to offer. So Jesus got into Simon's boat, and they went out, and he preached. And, you know, why do you think Jesus was even there? The people were there for a reason because they had a need. But God had a reason for Jesus being there. There was a purpose that Jesus was there, and his purpose was that he cared for the people. He loved the people. He cared. That's why he was there teaching. He uplifted the people. His job, he wanted to uplift them because he loved them so much. He taught them how much God loved them. Just think, he's there speaking to these people. God is speaking to them saying, you broken lives, I have a word for you. I have a message for you, a message of hope. A message of joy. He loved them so much. And he even healed them, even though some of them came and they didn't really want to hear words. Some of them even didn't want to hear the, the, the words, the truth. They wanted food for their belly. But he still gave them food. He still healed the sick, even though the sick, some of them didn't really want to hear the truth. Because why? Because he loved them. 
And he saved the people later on by dying for them because he came to die for them. McIntosh writes something about that, which he talks about our God. And he says, Jesus could never depart from a poor, brokenhearted sinner. He could never depart from a poor, brokenhearted sinner. He didn't have it in him. He would go sleepless nights before he would do that. He would never do that. He says, no, never. It was his richest, deepest joy to pour the healing balm of his love and grace into a wonderful and a wounded soul. It was his delight to heal the broken heart. It was his delight to heal the broken heart. He delighted in that. Why was he there? It was delightful for Jesus to be there. Broken hearts all around, hopeless people all around. And he delighted in healing them. He delighted in giving them hope. And he goes on to say he was anointed for that work. He was anointed for that work. That was his calling. That's why he was there. And it was his meat and his drink to do it. And then he goes on to say, blessed forever be the holy name of God. Blessed be his name. And then we go on and we see the miracle, how God just said to to Peter after he had given the people some food and he blessed them so much. He gave them great food, great words of encouragement, uplifted them. They were flying high, the people. And he says, you know, Peter, I have something for you, too. I've given you some words, but I don't just have words of encouragement. I have some blessings for you as well. So what did he tell Peter? He said, um, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Let's go out. I got some fishing to do. You guys are going fishing on May 1st. Well, you, you better hope the master fisherman is with you. Because if he's with you, then it's like cast over there or cast over here. And then you have probably the reward of great fish like the apostles this day. It's said that Simon said to the master, well, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, not one thing. And as fishermen, it's interesting how fishermen, I mean, I'm a fisherman and I love fishing and fishing all night and catching nothing is a drag. (laughs) It's a drag. And they were on the shore cleaning their nets but what do you think they were thinking about when jesus came up and preached it says they were cleaning their nets they were cleaning up from failure what's in the net weeds seaweeds rocks wasn't any fish maybe there were some guppies fish that they threw away they were too small to keep but it says they caught nothing and peter's real you got to like Peter. He's just a real good old boy. He just says it like it is. So he said to the master, well, but we didn't catch anything. Who do you think you are? I'm the master fisherman. But, you know, because you say so, you took care of my mother-in-law and you preached some really good words today. We'll go back out. So it says that they went back out. And, oh, my goodness, what happened? When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. 
Fished all night, caught nothing. Fished with Jesus one minute, caught over full. He was unbelievable. Fill both boats up. They had to call their partners and say, can you help us? We need help. The blessing of following Christ and listening to him. And he's concerned about the material needs of us as well as the spiritual needs. So thank God for that. But at that point, you you have like a different thing starts to happen. His heart and their hearts, the fishermen's hearts are now starting to be to be worked. There's there's something happening now in their hearts. They've seen the Savior. Simon's seen the Savior with his mother-in-law. He's met him before, and he's now heard him now. He's heard him a few times. And now he's seen the miracle of the, of the catch. And he's looking at this man saying, wow, what's up with him? What's happening? And at that point, there's a change of heart there. Because Jesus goes on to say that, um, you know, Simon had actually went to him and fell down because he was just so broken. He couldn't handle it. He just said in verse eight, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I'm a wretched sinner. I can't believe the glory of God that I see. I'm in the presence of God and I see it now. And, you know, that's what we kind we have to really understand that before we really fall down on our knees before Jesus and say, I confess I'm a sinner. He saw the glory of God. He saw God. He felt God. He had a, a feeling now and an, an experience with God and it touched his heart and he fell down on his knees and says, get away from me. You I can't believe I'm in the presence of God. And it affected him. And then Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just relax. Just relax. From now on, you will catch men. Your job is getting ready to change. There's a change here. I'm transforming you. You've done what I needed you to do. I needed you to repent. I needed you to come to me and know that I am God. I needed you to get saved. Now I have work for you to do. And what was the work? He says it here. You will catch men. You see that that net? How full it is, how it was overflowing with fish. Your job is now changed. You're going to be catching men. The calling. And it says that they pulled up their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. They left everything at that point and followed him. What did they leave? Everything. Did they leave the catch? There was a great catch. Did they leave their boats and their nets and their livelihood? Why? Because they had a new job, and that was to follow Christ. Um, again, I was reading something in Macintosh about Peter, and it mentions that he forsook all and followed Christ. 
There was no halting here. At all events, no vacillating between Christ and present things, boats, nets, fish, natural ties. All are unhesitatingly and unreservedly surrendered, not as a matter of cold duty or legal service, but as a grand and necessary result of having seen the glory and heard the voice of the Son of God. He saw his glory and heard the voice of God, and he says, enough. I don't want any more of this. Now, what about today? How does that relate to us today? What does he offer us today? Is there really a need today like that need on the beach? There was a great need. They were there hovering around Jesus where he had to get in the boat and because it was a great need. What's the need today? Do people need hope today? People are hopeless today. Do people lack peace today? You want to know about peace? Do you know people don't have any peace? I'm driving down the freeway now and I'm trying my best to just do everything just comfortably and talk with the Lord and be. I have older women. I don't want to say old women. But older women passing me, looking at me like, what are you doing? Flying by. Just, I'm in a hurry to go where? Where are they going? Where are you going? Got young people passing by, got old people. You got, you got people from all around the world and don't even know how to drive and they're passing you. Flying. They're headed, headed. They're just, they're flying because what? They're in a hurry to get somewhere. To get where though? Where are they going? They're going nowhere. If you don't have Christ, you're going nowhere. There's nowhere to go without Christ. So what's the news today? I was watching TV with my wife and we were watching on this, on this bus and kids were beating this little guy. And you know what bothered me? It brought tears to my eyes that they were, it was abusive. But you know what else was interesting is they were smiling. Do you know why they were smiling? Because they were happy. They were being fulfilled by doing harm to another person. That's where this world is. They have no choice. They don't understand what it means to follow Christ. They're filled with anger and rage and satisfaction and nothing. And they watch TV and they see all these images and they get fulfillment from beating someone. And they were happy. What's the condition of the world today? Al-Qaeda? Are, are soldiers dying every day? Do you, do you feel anything when a soldier dies? We should, be, we should feel something in our heart because that's somebody's son or daughter that raised them from birth that gets a call that says your son is no longer here. That's what the world condition is today. And, you know, Jesus keeps talking to us about this. And if you go to verse chapter nine, I want to take it home here and understand that we're talking about a people who are lost in the world today. And each of us that doesn't know Christ, you're lost right now without Christ. 
And anybody in here that knows him today, you were lost without Christ. But the question has to be, what is our responsibility now? Where are we now in the whole plan of God? Well, this is where we are in in verse 23 of chapter 9. It says, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, are we coming after him? Are you after him? Are you chasing him? Am I chasing him? And we came after him. Aren't we after him? Don't we want to please him? Don't we want to satisfy him? Well, we're the ones he's talking about. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Again, the words follow me. Follow me. But what do you have to do? You have to take up your cross. Deny yourself daily and follow me. Look at the responsibility that puts on each one of us. In a world of disaster, God has anointed his children to be the ones that would follow him and do what? Give comfort to those that are lost. Share the gospel with those that don't know. Even comfort the ones that are saved by being a blessing. Do you know when I was studying this, I really got convicted so much because I tell you what, when it says deny self, what does that mean, deny self? God said in those scriptures, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. Deny yourself. What? Deny what? What do you think? Deny what? If it doesn't agree with Christ, you have to deny it. Well, what is that? Anything that doesn't agree with Christ. Anything that's not his will. Anything. He said, deny self. You know, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about what does it really mean to be a follower? Because that's what we are. We're followers of Christ. Anybody who's been saved, if we know him as Savior, no matter where we are, we're following the leader. The question is, what kind of follower are we? We talked about what it was like back then. But the same scenario is, is, exists today. People are lost looking for hope, looking for help looking for joy, looking for peace. And who is out there that's going to provide that? God's children who are following him. Are we following him? I wrote down a couple things about followers, just a couple classifications. One classification is the when it feels right followers. When it feels right followers. What does that mean? That's for a moment. They do their own thing. Then they do God's thing. Then they do their thing. Then they do God's thing. They're not consistent. There's no heart. There's no heart. Then another group is my way followers. My way followers. I want to follow my way. I want to go to church my way. I want to go when I want to go. I want to eat when I want to eat the word. I want to drink the word. I want to talk the way I want to talk. I want to go and hang out where I want to hang out. I want to do what I want to do. I want to watch what I want to do, but I'm still following you, Christ. But I want to do it my way. 
I call them my way followers. My way. It's my way. God says, but what about denying self? Oh, but, you know, that's, that's good for them. That's good for Sylvia. That's good for Adel. That's good for the, the leaders, but, you know, my way is important. I want to come to church when I want to come to church. I don't want to get up in the morning and, and read the scriptures. I don't want to have any dedication to following Christ. I want to do it my way. And then another one is which way, followers? Whoa, which way? I don't know what the Lord wants me to do, Christians. If I knew, I would follow, but I don't know. I ask him, but I really don't ask him with any enthusiasm. I don't seek counsel. I don't read my word. I just talk like I want to follow him. I call him lazy. I want to talk about it. I want to follow Christ, but, you know, but I don't know what to do. I'm not sure which way to go. Even though we've been given an example of which way to go. And then there's all the way followers. These are the committed to start and finish strong. They will make mistakes, but their mind is made up. God's way or no way. Their mind's made up. It's God's way or no way. They forsake their wants and desires and feelings and comforts and passionately desire only to follow and serve the master. It's only one way. And that's God's way. Do you know that in... um, In Matthew, you don't have to go there, but there was a point where Peter kind of got a little smart and the Lord was telling him about going to the cross and Peter rebuked Christ. And he said, um, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And Christ said to me, to him, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. He said, get behind me. You don't have God's thoughts in mind. Satan is talking. Satan is really interested in in a lot of what we do. I um, was reading something that... um, a writer wrote and he mentioned about following Christ and he said that but surely we are called to follow the Lord and cleave to him with purpose of heart. This is the blessed privilege and sacred duty of every saved soul on the face of the earth. We are imperatively called upon to break with the world and follow Christ. And he writes, again, all is done to him. This is the one grand point. If Christ has his due place in our hearts, all will be right. If we want all things to be right, it says Christ has to have his due place in our life. If he has not, nothing will be right. If there is any undercurrent in the soul, any secondary object, any worldly motive, any selfish aim or end, there can be no progress. We must make Christ 
and his cause our absorbing object. And you know, when you think about it, what is it all about following Christ? Following Christ is just not having our way and not being concerned about our way, not being concerned about our feelings, what we want. And that sounds so simplistic. I know it has to sound simplistic, but think about it. What do you want? What do we want? Do we want Christ's way in everything of our lives, or do we want our way? Do we mingle the two together? Well, Christ says that I should do this, but I don't really want to do that. It's Christ's way or no way. I was also reading, a brother was writing about... um, He was writing to Chuck Swindoll, and he says, as a young boy, he was greatly influenced by a remark made by an old Texan. And he said, the problem with Christian life is that it's so daily. He said, it's so daily. And the writer goes on, it's true. Following Jesus is a lifestyle that builds on past lessons and decisions, but it also depends on our dedication day by day. Day by day. Every day we have to fight. And do we understand that that fight is the most glorious fight in the universe? There is no greater fight than a Christian standing for Christ and saying, I will have God's way or no way. There is nothing greater than that. There is no greater fight than following Christ and saying, I deny everything, all my wishes, all my concerns, all my thoughts. I don't care if I don't want to wash the dishes If it's Christ's will, I'm washing the dishes. I don't care if I don't want to go to Bible study. It doesn't matter what I want because I am the son of God. I am Christ's son or daughter. I have been redeemed by the blood and I've been given a calling to go out and preach the gospel, to live the gospel, to encourage people to follow Christ like I'm following Christ. And he says, stop this following Christ when you want to follow Christ. He says, follow him from the beginning to the end. Peter blew it a number of times, but you look at him at the end and he followed Christ. 3,000 people were saved because he followed Christ. That's a hefty net full of people. God promised that he would have, he would save souls and lives. And guess what? He came through. You know what? I was reading something, and I feel stupid, but I wrote it on this little card. I was in a restaurant, I mean, in a uh, grocery store last night, and I was looking at Oprah. For those who, uh, Oprah Magazine, for those who like Oprah, I apologize. But it's just the, it just says, how to be happy. One of the little captions on it, how to be happy, how to be a happier, how to have a happier life. It says, change the tricks and toys and shortcuts and breakthroughs and and of course, shoes. Okay. All right. And then another thing on there says 10 reasons to have faith in the future. And it's 10 reasons. So, you know, I'm, I'm really blowing it because, you know, I don't want to buy the magazine. So I open up the magazine to the page and I'm looking and I'm sitting there just kind of writing down some little notes on my business card. Thinking I'm not buying this magazine. I just want to know one thing. I want to know what they think. And what they want people to have their faith in in the future. First one was feminism. Second one was Starbucks, a mocha. The third one was sin. Think about that. 
They actually said it. Sin. Freedom to live in it. Special Olympics. Situational comedies. South Africa. Dogs. Number eight was marriage. Eastern Western philosophies. Marriage together, I guess. Number nine was the rise of life coaching. Life coaching. I guess you got a person that coaches you. Not like a mentor, but a coach that lets you sin. You do whatever you want. Just, you know, don't let, you know, don't, you know, don't have too much fun. But do whatever you want. It's okay. Rollerblades was the last one. <laughs> Ten reasons to have faith in the future. Now, do you have faith in the future today? Do you know also I'm cleaning in the church one day and I found this on a chair? I don't know whose kid did this, but there's two pictures. There's one in red and it's kind of a big old blobby picture. And another picture that's, you know, my daughter's do. It's like a big old poofy hairdo. And, and I picked it up and I put it in my pocket. You know why I put it in my pocket? It says that Joshua 1.9 says, be strong and courageous. And you can't even tell the writing is all mixed together. It's all one line. The little child wrote this. She has more wisdom than whoever did this. Because she's quoted, or he quoted scripture. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Who wrote that? A little child. And you got this magazine that probably is millions and millions of dollars, and you have this writer who's writing things about dogs and mochas. And then, of course, sin, because they do want sin. They want to have it and eat it, too. And who are we? We're the redeemed. We have the truth. But I want to challenge Christians today to do it differently. I'm serious. To do it differently. To do Christ walk differently. It says to take up your cross, take up your life, take up the burden that you have, deny yourself, whatever you want, put it off to the side and say, it doesn't matter what I want. Challenge. And do it daily. Every single day we get up, God, not my will today, but your will. Not what I want, Lord, your will. Not what I think, Lord, what you think. Don't let me look at anything, think anything, do anything that's not your will. And then I have the right to follow Christ. And when we follow Christ, guess where we go? We go out into a world where there's so many lost and helpless and hopeless that need to see those that are denying self and walking with Christ so close that they know something's there. I bet there's more Christ in whoever wrote this than some believers. Not necessarily in here. I won't say that. But I will say there are, this person, this young child, has more of an understanding who Christ is. To sit there and write that. God bless you parents who bring your kids to Sunday school. God bless you because guess what? Look at this. 
the writing God's word. Words that changed the earth. The world was turned upside down because of the word of God. Look at us. We know him today. We've been saved today. It's only by the word of God. But somebody was faithful, though. I want you to know somebody was faithful to say it doesn't matter what I want. Doesn't matter what I need. I've been saved and redeemed. And all I want to do is follow Christ. He has all of me. I don't want to walk into paradise. I want to run into paradise, running for Jesus, running for Jesus and running so hard that when I get to the pearly gates, I want to have sweat coming down my brow. The sweat of walking faithfully, the sweat of denying self. And then I'll have comfort in heaven. There is no comfort in earth. We're not here to seek comfort unless it's God's comfort. We're here to seek God's will and then to do it. And this story about catching fish, anyone here to doesn't, that doesn't know Christ, it's a beautiful story. It's beautiful how the Lord showed Peter that I am God. I am holy. I have words of truth. And thank God that message has not gone away today. It's still a message that's available today for those that don't know him. That we can recognize that God is who he says he is, that he's a God of of hope. He's a God that brings encouragement. He's a God that brings fulfillment to a broken heart. He's a God that pieces lives back together. And he's still available today. He's still out in the boat preaching through his word and his servants. And the message is still the same. Come and fall at my feet and open up your heart to Jesus and I will rescue you and I will change you. And I will give you a new heart. And then you can have the right to follow me too. And it's a glorious, glorious journey following Christ. And may we all take that serious. And if there's anybody here today, you have an opportunity today to do exactly what Peter did. Just fall at the Lord's feet. Just say, I I confess I'm a sinner. I confess that you're God. I confess I need help. I, I, I believe that you came and died for me, died on the cross. And by believing and confessing and inviting you into my heart, I will live with you and follow you. And that's available. May we bow. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we are here today. And we want to give that opportunity to those today because it is the same message, the message of hope, the message of joy, peace. It's available. And if there's one here today, two here, a few here that want to fall at the Lord's feet and claim, you have the option right now. All you have to do is put up your hand and I'll pray for you. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. Just believe. And this morning, if there's someone here today, take a courageous move, a step. The greatest decision you can ever make is to follow Christ. But the first thing is you have to give your life to him. Is there anyone here today that wants to do that? Just put your hand up and say, I want to give my life to Christ. Everybody's eyes are closed. You have an opportunity to just put your hand up and we'll pray for you.
It's an opportunity that is opportunity of a lifetime. You'll never be the same. Anyone? Just put your hand up and put it right back down. Well, may that this message go with you if you don't know him today. And may you take him to be with you. And for us, Lord, we just thank you so much that we have the word of God. We thank you for men like Peter who showed their faithfulness, Lord. Who struggled, Lord, but he was committed. Help us all to be committed, Lord. Help us all to to do Nothing except give our lives totally to you and that we may deny ourselves, deny our wishes and our dreams and follow Christ. And we pray that you would bless all these that are here today and encourage each one of us, Lord, to to live stronger, more passionately for you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.